Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Sammy. We're cousins and we're friends. (laughs) And we're not bored anymore. We're not bored anymore. (laughs) Sammy is single and dating. And I haven't dated since Um, 2012. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Because We Were Bored. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Because We Were Bored. I'm Sammy. I'm Lindsay, and we are cousins, and we're friends, and we love to talk to each other. Yeah, make each other laugh, so we thought we would invite you all into our conversations. Yeah, and Lindsay's a mom. I'm single. (laughs) Lindsay's upstate. I'm in Manhattan. Lindsay's married. I'm not. (laughs) How many ways are you going to say single in one? (laughs) That's really all there is to know about me. I am alone in this world. (laughs) No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I've got my cousin Lindsay and like a million roommates and Lindsay's got a toddler. Yeah. Yep. I have a two-year-old and, um, and yeah, that's where you, that's where you join us today. (laughs) And here we are. Yeah, so let's all, check in. Yeah, we like to start with a check-in. You wanna you wanna start, Sam? Oh yeah, I'll I'll check in. Yeah, real check quick. in. What's been um, going on with you? Oh, what's been going on, you ask? Um, hmm. <laughs> Just millions of fireworks all night long, I know. keeping everybody and up, and it's exhausting. This is like the third week in a row. Yeah. And it's oh my god, they're like next. This the neighbor. They're lighting up my room at night. It's the neighbor next door. Oh, Not the so it's actually that I love. It's next to oh, them. Yeah, you can see. It's like them. I mean, maybe even like a few more down from that, but it's so loud. Last night I had my AC unit on, which is loud, and it's right next to my head. Then I had earplugs in, Ugh. and I still was startled awake by a boom. I mean, it was great. Everybody was celebrating. It was. It's everyone was having a good time. Everyone was being. So nice. We weren't like, ugh, shut up. We were just like, cool. This is like what's because happening in our neighborhood. Novelty wise, fireworks are great. Like for one, like you go to a baseball game and they shoot fireworks at the end. <laughs> like that's the fun part. Of also, do you know what? You know what? Light them all at once. Yeah. Light them all at once. And I just have them really loud for like two hours. What's killing me? And it's like, it's like torture where it's like one big one. And then like an hour later, it's like a big one again. And then two minutes later, it's a big one. And you're like, there's no rhythm. I need to be able to predict. Oh my God, Blair and I were watching. (laughs) Oh, another part of my check-in. Blair and I, my roommate Blair, we watched Blind Spotting. Have you seen it with Davi Diggs? No, but you told me I need to. I mean, I didn't, I don't know why I didn't watch it because obviously Lindsay and I love Davi Diggs because he's in Hamilton. He plays Thomas Jefferson and Lafayette. But it is a wonderful movie. It's it on Netflix. So good. I just googled it's it. It's on HBO. Okay, HBO so you Go. Watch it on HBO Go or HBO. Go Max, watch it on so. HBO Go. Davi Diggs actually wrote the movie, and oh, he, did? Um, oh, he wrote and produced it, and he is phenomenal. Also, Jasmine Jones is in it too. Love her. Jazzy Jones is great. It's. I mean, Blair and I were like looking at each other. We're like, how did we? not watch this sooner yeah it but, came out um, fairly recently didn't it yeah yeah well 2018 oh okay Which oh yeah it came out anyway. in april of 2018 it looks like and i had like a yeah. newborn child then that's how i missed that one. <laughs> oh, that's why you didn't watch that's how you missed that because you were like you know creating life and stuff <laughs> um 
it gets pretty intense at a few parts, not anything like unbearable to watch. It just the suspense um, and the tension gets pretty high. And then all of a sudden, boom, like <laughs> the fireworks are going off right at like the worst moments of this movie. Anyway, oh it was a God, great film, but like the tension has been high in the with the fireworks and everything. And then I couldn't sleep that night because I was like anxiety through the roof. The fireworks were like punctuating the anxiety you were feeling through the movie. Oh, it was so <laughs> symbolic. Everything was so symbolic. <laughs> I'm excited to watch it. I'll definitely this oh, um, you'll this week I'll it. get into it. Get into it, Lynn's. Good recommendation. So yeah, the fireworks. Do you I mean do we want to touch down on the conspiracy theory that I love? <laughs> Let's Sammy do like a quick conspiracy had, corner. Yeah, Sammy and I had joked about having a segment called Conspiracy Corner because we both love to talk about the Denver International Airport. The conspiracy of the fireworks. So, <laughs> so let's have a quick conspiracy minute on these fireworks lines. okay let's try wanna... to touch down on the fireworks in just under a minute <laughs> okay so basically uh fireworks have been used for crowd control since the 50s and because there's so many protests basically everybody believes that nypd and other police departments throughout the united states of america are putting off these fireworks to raise tension and to keep protesters from sleeping so that they'll be too tired to protest. The sounds of the fireworks are supposed to like numb people out from the sounds of gunshots so that mm -hmm. artillery fire can be like it's not yeah. as alarming to communities. Um, yeah, so and... basically the, they're going to attack us soon and them putting <laughs> off fireworks is us just like becoming more numb to the sound so that when they attack us we're not... <laughs> You know, it's horrible. It's horrible to laugh at too, but it's just like, I was trying to explain this to my husband because he is so not a conspiracy person. Like I've showed him pictures of my most favorite conspiracy theory, the Denver International Airport. I've showed him pictures and he's like, I don't want to look at these. I'm scared of this. <laughs> but um, I was trying to explain to him the fireworks thing. And um, he was just like, it's summer. People are bored. It's quarantine. Well, and people, a lot of people have government money now. Yeah. He's like, it's not, I don't know why. And I'm like, I didn't create this. I conspiracy. know. I, I'm just my, telling you what I read. <laughs> my thing about uh, conspiracies with the cops right now is that, like, there's so many facts about the cops that like people going into these, like on TikTok and just Instagram and just in the news and Buzzfeed everywhere, everyone's like going so deep into these conspiracies. And I'm like, it's kind of taking attention away from the cold, hard facts of, yeah, that there's a lot of bad stuff that the cops are doing right now. Why make up stuff that might not be true? It is a conspiracy for a hey, reason because a lot of people are just like, I don't know. Yeah, like, let's amplify what's actually true rather than speculate further. I guess I get that. Yeah. So what about um, you, Lens? Check in with you. I guess this kind of goes along with my Googling. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I want to kind of like blend the two and then you can share what you Googled this week. Let's do that. We'll do like a okay. blend. So um, my toddler will call things spooky a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is, I mean, it's kind of cute. So he'll, like, his room will, like, if we're upstairs and the light in his room is off, he'll he'll say, like, spooky room. Like, it's <laughs> He's not, not wrong. Yeah, like, it's not spooky. It's just the light's off. You know, whatever. I still do the same thing and I'm <laughs> almost 30. <laughs> um, or I guess it, I can't remember, like, where the spooky thing started, but sometimes we'll watch, like, something on the iPad when I'm cooking. So he'll, like, stand next to me 
like somebody's up on the counter uh-huh. and he was watching Toy Story 4 once which like mm-hmm. and in the fourth one there are these like ventriloquist <laughs> dummies oh god yeah they are spooky so in one part they're in like like a thrift shop for toys and the ventriloquist dummy like turns really fast to Woody. why would they do that i don't know but it, it is spooky and he like pixar sco- oh i know seriously you should together <laughs> but he like screamed and was shaking and like <gasps> jumped out of the chair that he was standing on and i was holding him and he was like a little like koala just like wrapped around me oh my god disney do you see what you're screaming. doing to my dear nephew and the future of america <laughs> but he, he was really scared so i think i must have been like oh it's okay it was just spooky no worries you know what i mean yeah yeah uh-huh. so he calls things spooky a lot and so yesterday i put on monsters inc not thinking anything of it because <laughs> the spookiest film ever lindsay how dare you <laughs> monsters inc is so cute and i remember like seeing it with my so sister cute. stephanie when she was like little and mm-hmm. I, was, I was just thinking okay we'll just watch some of this and the beginning i guess it's like a uh, practice run for a monster to scare a kid in a bed and so edward's screaming like spooky spooky so i turned it off whatever and then when my husband came home it was like he told on me to my husband he my husband came home from work and he was like watch spooky with mama or he said something like that like watch spooky movie with mama <laughs> my husband's like what are you doing? What are you watching with them? I'm like, it was a Pixar movie. It's not that big of a deal. So I started um, Googling if it was common for toddlers to use the phrase spooky. The other night he started getting really like worried when I was getting him ready for bed. And he Mm -hmm. kept saying spooky Edward, spooky Edward and making a face, but then getting really nervous. And I was just, I kept telling him. What face was it? Just going like, ah. Oh my God. Like he was growling at me. And I, I said to him, I'm like, you're not spooky. It's okay. And then I think he was worrying himself that he could be spooky. So I was Googling if toddlers have like nightmares. Like a... He's a really good sleeper. So I don't really think he's having nightmares. But then <laughs> I ended up on Reddit, of course. <sighs> yeah. Starts on bad. a mom blog, ends on Reddit. <laughs> I know. And so it was like, this post from seven years ago, parents of Reddit, what is the creepiest thing your young child has ever said to you? And of course I shouldn't have Oh God, Lynn's gone no. here. Oh no. <laughs> just it's just creepy stuff. So it's like while changing so this is somebody uh saying, While changing my daughter in front of an open closet door, she kept looking around me and laughing. I asked her what was so funny. She said, The man, to which I replied, White what man? She then pointed at the closet and said, the man with the snake neck. I turned around and nothing was there. I'm afraid to look into the history of my house to see if anyone hung themselves in the closet. <sighs> and then somebody commented, oh, the man my with the God, snake my mouth neck. Is... Okay, I'm done with this thread. <laughs> my mouth is wide open. No. Oh, my God. So that's going to another... kill me. The snake neck. I know, so scary. And then, I mean, at least it sounds like it was a friendly ghost. The, no, another like a- user, another user said, "I was on a bus recently, and we stopped outside a walk-in clinic. My a little girl in the seat in front of me turned to her dad and said, Death is the poor man's doctor.' And that was that. <laughs> she said, Death is the poor man's doctor.' Yeah. And then somebody, <laughs> and then somebody commented on it and said, "Jesus, that girl sounds metal as fuck." <laughs> 
Oh my god. Oh my god. More. I know there are there are kind of like funny ones, but also very creepy ones. Oh, so this is funny. This one user said this is the one user quoted her her him his or her three year old daughter. So I shouldn't throw him in the fire, my three year old daughter holding her baby brother for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> somebody commented i laughed so hard at this i picture that perfectly (laughs) sometimes i end up on reddit before i fall asleep and then i end up looking through reddit and getting like creeped out to the point where even if i have to go to the bathroom i'll just lay there and (laughs) pray for morning (laughs) (laughs) my noticeably pregnant sister and i were having a conversation at the dining room table my four-year-old son was also present and he asked my sister if there was a baby in her belly she affirmed he completely straight faced slid from his chair and headed for the kitchen saying, we need to get it out. I'll go get the knife. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Kids say the funniest things. It just, that was a kind of a random <laughs> thread. But the one thing that I thought was pretty interesting that I saw in all of this Googling was that children have imaginary friends. Like I think it's a, a mm-hmm. high percentage of children, I don't want to misquote anything, have mm-hmm. imaginary friends. And it used to be in past generations thought that um, having an imaginary friend meant that you were likely to have a mental illness. But now it's just thought of as a regular form of child development. Yeah. And I think it's because you, you're, you're learning to like conversation and interaction. And yes. when you don't have that, you just substitute it for something that you can control. Um, okay. What's your so, Google of the week? My Google for the week is, uh, do you know who Mia Khalifa is? Uh, that name sounds familiar, but I could just be thinking of Wiz. So, <laughs> yeah, Wiz Khalifa's sister. No, that's not a fact. That's not true. So my... Google for this week is Mia Khalifa. Mia Khalifa is an ex-porn star, social activist, and influencer. I actually saw something online where somebody was applauding her for all that she's doing and how badass she is. Okay. I started to look into her. So basically... She has a very interesting story. When she... So she used to be a bigger girl growing up. She's Lebanese. She moved over here when she was 10. Right when she moved over, 9-11 happened. And so her chance to kind of like move to America and start over and meet friends, uh, she was just instantly bullied and called names and called a terrorist and stuff like this. So she basically, her insecurity skyrocketed. She was very overweight. And then when she got into college, she lost a ton of weight. So she got, so she lost a lot of weight and then got surgery so that she could have her boobs back. And that's great. She was eventually moved to Miami after college and she was pulled over. She was walking down the street and somebody in a car pulled over and basically handed her a card for modeling. And when she looked into it, she found out it was a porn company. Okay. <laughs> she, it took her two weeks to kind of come to terms with it, but her insecurity, I mean, there was a, a, a man in a nice car calling her gorgeous, saying she could make a lot of money. And yeah. she went to the offices and the offices were mostly women with their photos of their families. Beautiful. She said, insanely beautiful office. A lot of people convincing her that she would be very successful. Okay. So as somebody who's insecure, who wants money, who doesn't feel like they belong and is convinced she calls it manipulating looking back, but so she basically got into porn. She was only a porn star for three months and okay. she ended her contract after they forced her to wear a hijab, 
which is oh, the God. scarf that the women, a lot of Muslim women wear around their heads. Yeah. And Jesus. she she remembers quoting to the directors, you're going to get me killed. And they laughed. She by ended who? Up, by like other, by other Muslims or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. So she got death threats from ISIS. They photoshopped a photo of her head hanging from a noose. Um, yeah, she, basically what happened was, I mean, people freaked out about it. It was on CNN, which I don't know how I never even heard of this. It was on a lot of major news coverages. Yeah. When, when did this all happen? I just looked up the dates and said she was a foreign actress from 2014 to 2015. Yeah. But it was only three of those months. But what happens is those videos continue to those, you can't get rid of those videos because of contracts that you signed. So there, so actually what happened was, which they, they call this the Barbara Streisand. They call it the Streisand effect. (laughs) So what happened was what, what happened with her videos is they went very viral. The more people tried to hide them. And that is called the Streisand effect. And that happened when Barbara Streisand tried to conceal her three million dollar mansion and it ended up just like blowing up more and people just wanted to google it more and look more into it which i had no idea that was a thing so that's yeah i'm gonna like google her mansion now (laughs) yeah now i want to go google barbara streisand's mansion so yeah and she said that the threats the the threats were bad enough but she really lost her mind when somebody from isis screenshotted her house on google maps (gasps) oh that's so scary yeah she was only like 25, 24. Oh God, that's terrifying. Yeah. So she luckily has a beautiful story and she kind of overcame everything. She got a new job right away. Uh, she's engaged now. She's using her platform for good. So because she's got millions of followers because of this whole incident, whoever oh, is cool. speaking out about Black Lives, she's just like pushing their content forward with her. That's and great. she's kind of stepped out of the way. So she's, I mean, she's great. She, I just signed a petition to remove her videos from Pornhub. Okay. So we could all do that if we want to. Is it a change.org petition? It's a change.org petition. And I've heard things about change.org that are horrible, but I I mean, someone else needs to come through and then do something better than I guess. I I don't know. I want to help. I want to help Mia Khalifa. Um, I mean, it's her body, her rights. She signed a contract, but since she signed a contract, can that contract be void if it's life threatening? As long as there is... As long as there is her having intercourse with a hijab on, with a white male, her yeah. life is threatened. And there's a bunch of these big wigs in the porn industry that are like, well, you signed a contract. And it's like, there's got to be a law against that protecting these women. And I don't know if there is, but we need to talk more about that. I think do what freaking makes you happy safely. And, and if it doesn't make you happy anymore, then you should have the right to get your life back. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that's what I Googled this week. Me, Khalifa, we see you, girl. All right. So we are going to come right back at you with my friend, Lakeisha. We're going to interview her about what it was like for her, <laughs> what it's, what it is like for her to be a working doula in this mm-hmm. time of coronavirus. We will be hearing from Lakeisha now. All right, you guys, we're recording. Yay. All right. Yay. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi. I feel like we should introduce ourselves so they know our voices. <laughs> this is, oh, I'm Sammy. Idea. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Lakeisha. 
Hi, Lakeisha, right. our Yay. first guest. Oh, so excited to have you, Lakeisha. You're sitting in your car, <laughs> and we're yep. sitting in like our closets. <laughs> <laughs> we're making it work. We're making it work. And you're in Rochester, Lakeisha? Yes. I'll just say really quick, okay. we met um, like a little over a year ago in a doula training. And I just like fell in love with Lakeisha because we had to be put in partners, groups of three, mm-hmm. for to like <laughs> act out being in labor and so there was one person in each group that was like the person that was pretending to be in labor and then the person pretending to be the partner and then there was the doula so the doula was like rubbing your back and like stroking your hair and like squeezing your hips and Lakeisha was how could you not get close after that (laughs) right (laughs) Lakeisha was my person that was doing all of those things on me and I was like I just really like her And so we work. That is so funny. <laughs> we work together with Beautiful Birth Choices, which is in Rochester, New York. Um, and then, yeah, Lakeisha, why don't you just tell us about your whole, your like journey to becoming a doula? Also, wait, can we explain to our listeners what is a doula? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So a doula is um, someone who basically supports expecting families through pregnancy, birth, labor, and the immediate postpartum time. So the support that we give to our families is basically emotional, um, physical support, informational support, and we help them advocate for themselves. Um, So basically, we just physical, emotional support and also help them to make informed decisions about their care and what, you know, letting them know what their options and choices are as far as where they can receive care and you know, what their options are as far as labor and birth. Lakeisha, did you have, did you have a doula with either of your pregnancies? I did not. So I I don't know. I always think, you know, we, as a doula, I find myself going back to think of my different births and I'm like, man, if I had a doula, things would have turned out a lot different. And especially for, you know, my last birth, that was my VBAC. Like I was so determined to just do it. So (laughs) I I, I just find that if I, I think about if I had extra support, how different it would have been maybe it would have been went went quicker but I don't know I just had this like tunnel vision you know like I'm going to do this mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like my own doula before I even knew what I were. I didn't know what a doula was until I met Lindsay and then I remember well, I met was... me we met when we were when met I Liz. Samantha and I are cousins so it's like I've known her her whole yeah, life <laughs> My coffee's faded. Now it's like a whole different conversation. Um, I didn't know what a doula was until Lindsay had a doula with her, with Edward. And I remember coming home after he was six months old and the doula came in for like the six month. No, no, no. He, you were, he was like three weeks old and Nella came to do the postpartum visit. Oh, he was, okay. He was even, yeah, Yeah. it was the postpartum visit and I was sitting on the couch doing work remotely and her, her husband, Brian and the doula were in the other kitchen, in the kitchen and they were talking and they were like reminiscing. They're like, remember when this happened? And then she was like, oh my God, yeah, that was nuts. And then Brian's like, that was crazy. It was like, they're talking about like, talking about their birth. It was like, they're talking about like an event or something. And I was like, you know what? this has got to be really special. Like (laughs) I didn't really consider how special that must be. Yeah. And it's really like, I don't know. I find that as a doula, you become like a part of their family. Like, you know, we, Mm -hmm. we talk so much about like this event and how people are going to remember it forever. And I find my clients, even after we have our last visit, you know, it's kind of like, they feel sadness. I'm like, but I'm not going anywhere. Like we can still yeah. have this relationship, even though you're no longer pregnant. Like I'm still here to support mm-hmm. you. Like, you know, I don't want you to not, you know, reach out to me. 
Um, so yeah, it's yeah. like it's it's like building a new bond with a family. It's awesome. Yeah, I feel like even a two years and like three months out, if I text Nella a question about like something to do with like we just talk as friends, but if I text her like, hey, I have a question about this really specific thing with like child development with Edward, she texts me back like evidence based stuff right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really right. I'm like, are you still my doula? I don't know. Yeah. What's going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dueling, dueling the doula. I don't know. I just, and, and after you kind of learn, like you go through training and you you find that you've been using all these techniques in your everyday life anyway so like mm-hmm. you were already a doula <laughs> like I find myself yeah. dueling my kids all the time like oh they like bump their elbow or something I'm like just make sure you breathe yeah and I'm like rubbing their back <laughs> it's so funny um so tell us about your like history I know you have you not an MBA an MS in or a master's in science and yep I have in a, administration. Um, a master's in public administration with a focus in healthcare management. Um, So basically how I became a doula is it took so long. I I just feel like it was unnecessarily that the process was drawn out and it was just kind (laughs) of like my, it was my own fault, but like I started my college journey. I was working in an OB office as an, um, you know, admin and I finished my undergrad and my graduate degree. And at that point, there was really nowhere for me to grow in the office I was working in. Um, so, you know, especially when you're like, I love the people that I work with. But at the same time, I'm like, I need to grow. Like, I, you know, I finished school and I want to make sure that I'm in a position that's going to be utilizing these new skills that I just learned. So I moved into another position um, and I was working at as an office manager Um, I was in uh, a dental clinic for a little while, and then I went to work for primary care. And during that time, I just found that, like, I just wasn't feeling fulfilled in what I was doing. I just felt like, you know, you do things day to day that actually help people, but I didn't feel like it was making the impact that I wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I would find myself coming home, like, thinking, like, man, what did I get out of this day? Or just, I don't know. I just, I wanted to be doing something that I loved, and that wasn't it. And before I quit my job, I shadowed um, a midwife while she was on call. And just being there for the births, it was, like, the happiest that I had been in such a long time. And after that, I kind of signed up for doula training. I had, like, reached out to find out more about, like, what doulas do, Um, and so I had finally just paid my, I was like, I'm going to pay for this training. There's no turning back. And then I decided like, okay, I'm going to quit my job in February. And then I went to training in March and it was like, it was, it was just a whole different environment. Like Mm -hmm. usually when you're in groups and you talk about birth, sometimes people like, they just, they don't really get it. And, and being at BBC and around all these women that were training to be doulas like it just it felt so comfortable to be able to talk about like your different birth experiences and not have people judge you you know like well you had a healthy baby so I don't understand what the issue is mm-hmm. um and so that was like big indicator for like this is where I want to be um, <laughs> and then since then I've I've supported 11 births mm-hmm. and oh wow it doesn't feel like work which is really what I what I enjoy the most is like, I don't wake up and groan like, Oh, I have to go to the hospital. Like this person's in labor. Um, it, it, I'm ready to go. Like I'm jumping up. I'm, I'm hyped to go to a birth. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then the feeling you get afterwards is like indescribable. Like being there and seeing a birthing person go through this transition from like being single to a new parent is just, it's so amazing. God, I can't even imagine. I think mm-hmm. the easiest way to explain it to you, Sam, who you haven't experienced childbirth is um... not in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even experiencing intercourse. <laughs> Well, didn't like um, the CDC release like <laughs> guidelines for safe sex during COVID? So, yeah. <laughs> do the nurses or doctors in the hospital ever get frustrated with doulas for like being in the way, or like are they supportive of it and like understanding? Because I, I mean, in like all the movies you see, yeah. all the birth experiences, it's like a woman and it's like a nurse, right? You know, and like the husband that faints. <laughs> That's like stereotypical. <laughs> so I just wonder, like, what what the atmosphere is like. I haven't experienced any births where I I feel like they think I'm in the way. Um, mm-hmm. I think for the most part, the providers and the nurses that I've worked with have been around doulas. So they know what we do and they look at us like you're an extra set of hands. Mm-hmm. Like you're here, you're on our Perfect. side. Okay. And, you know, when we're not in here, we know that there's somebody else keeping an eye on the, the patient. I want you to yeah. t- I want you to like tell your craziest like birth experience, like within, Ooh, within yeah. reason. I think it would be, um, I think it'd be interesting to hear, but I also, I just love shocking Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> My craziest. Oh man. I feel like I've attended so many births that it's hard to really say which one is the craziest. Like birth is depending on who you're talking to. It's kind of crazy already as it is. Mm-hmm. But I think I had a scenario where like something happened happened after the baby was born and it was a little unexpected as far as like the mom and the placenta being retained so that basically what that means is normally your placenta is supposed to release from your uterus and be born but sometimes that doesn't always happen and so um, my client had to have it surgically removed or go to the OR. And that was a little bit scary. And I'm so happy that I was there to be able to support her husband in that because, you know, the there was a midwife there, but there was also doctors who came in to try to, like, assist before making the decision to go to the OR. Um, so I think that that was a little bit crazy. Um, but I don't know. I, I just feel like birth is kind of crazy. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Um, it is like definitely like a primal like weird yeah, it is. the whole and thing is weird <laughs> yeah it is and I mean it's just your body I don't know it's just amazing like to just watch you know I had a, a mom who you know when she got to the hospital she was ready to go and I, I was so excited because like she labored at home and then she got to the hospital and was like ready to push the baby out you know and and I was like rushing because I didn't want to miss it um Mm -hmm. but I mean you have you have those instances and then you have instances where people are in labor for days so it's so different each each client experiences birth so different that kind of leads me into my next question actually I was curious like what the longest amount of time you were with a family was and what like the shortest amount of time was Mm-hmm. So the shortest amount of time was probably three hours, okay, give or take. Oh I, I spent a lot of time um, postpartum just because I had only been there for like an hour before the baby was born. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the longest amount of time I think was like 
roughly 18 hours, which is really great. Um, and I try to be really um, wow. on top of like when I go to support in person, because sometimes it could be really long. Um, and, you know, it, it every client is different. And so some people really, really need me there early. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. But if they're, you know, OK with laboring at home or, you know, resting in the beginning, then I come like towards when active labor starts. But yeah, the longest I want to say is probably like 18, 19 hours. Oof. Wow, yeah. that's yeah. a long time. Long time. It long is shift. a long time. <laughs> yeah. It's, it doesn't seem mm. as long, though, like when you wake up and go to the hospital at like three in the morning and then baby's here mm-hmm. like within the next day. It's not long. <laughs> I haven't really yeah. had an instance where like I've gone in at 3 a.m. and then I'm still there. Like I haven't gotten to like mm-hmm. the 24 hour mark yet. I'm sure that will come. Um, mm-hmm. But I've been really lucky <laughs> to not have to be there for like 48 hours or something. Oh my wow. gosh! Yeah. yeah, I'm sure someone. I I'll personally relieve you. Actually, <laughs> I was yeah. just gonna say I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure someone would relieve you. I'll relieve you if you're yeah, ever there seriously. for 48 hours. <laughs> and I'm I'm glad that that hasn't happened because I I feel like it would be so hard for me to leave. Like after you've been there to support in person, like you want to. Mm-hmm. I personally want to see it through to the end. So yeah. I might like go sleep in the car or something and come back. Yeah. I don't know. It would be yeah. so hard mm-hmm. for me to leave. So have you ever had in the pressure of the moment, somebody be really nasty to like, who's get the, the woman who's giving birth? No, not to me. Sometimes they'll like husbands or partners. Yeah, like the partners <laughs> really? get it and maybe the nurses, but never to me, which has oh, been okay. really good. And you know, sometimes like in the moment they'll, they'll like apologize and like to whoever. And I'm like, you don't have to apologize. And usually it's like, they're apologizing for like continuing to ask for things. And I'm like, that's what I'm here for. But I've never had anybody be like rude. I was, I can, I have memories of snapping at my husband and like telling him, do it more like Nella's doing it. Or like, (laughs) 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 I I, I have like a very distinct memory of me saying that about a couple of things. Be more like Nella. And he was like, I don't, I, okay. He's like, I'm yeah. not a doula. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, partners get the brunt of it, but I feel like we kind of talk about it during like the prenatal visits. Like, mm-hmm. don't take it personally. Whatever she's saying in the moment is just her trying to cope. You know, like yeah. just 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 mm-hmm. let it roll off your shoulders. She's not like trying to make you feel bad. Like she's just in a place where she has to like put that, you know somewhere that energy has to go somewhere and then i have clients who are like super sweet in labor it's like (laughs) the cutest thing ever i'm like you are the nicest person ever (laughs) yeah like saying thank you for everything and i'm just like i'm here for you like that's why i'm here it's like so funny yeah i'm gonna have a doula if yeah, please. yeah. Have a doula. Can Lindsay be my doula, or is there like a strict rule against? No, I could be your doula. Um, yeah, I didn't know if it was like I don't know. <laughs> like you can't go no. to a therapist if they're like related to you. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's not. I mean, there's no rules. I was the cool. doula for my sister-in-law, and you know, some people were asking like, "Did you have a hard time with like drawing the line?" And I was like, "I had no struggles the whole mm-hmm. time. Like being able to see my nephew be born, I was crying. Oh, yeah. It was amazing." Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, That's I didn't amazing. have any issues with being her doula. Like, I'm your sister. Like, let's let's get this That's... baby out. <laughs> That's so amazing. Oh my gosh. Um, One thing that Samantha and I had talked about asking you was just in general, like what has it been like working in a hospital 
in the middle of a plague, <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, like, it's, how's it been? <laughs> it's been pretty interesting. So I've had three clients during this pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. The first one was due like right around the time where a few hospitals were allowing doulas and a few were not. And she was in the mm-hmm. category of the hospitals that were not. And mm-hmm. so I was kind of like trying to advocate for her and to, for me to be there, um, but they weren't budging. It was kind of like, this is what we're doing. You can't come. So I had to support her virtually, which was a little bit difficult. Oh, wow. Um, but we we did the best we could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still was able to help them ask for the things that they wanted, um, which I think was, that was the best that came out of it. Obviously, she had her baby. Her baby was... Um, healthy she's healthy but I think going into you you're you're you have this relationship with this person that you've built over the last 10 months and then for Mm -hmm. you to be up to your due date and to be told like sorry you can't have your doula here but other people are allowing it it was a little bit frustrating um and then this the next birth that I had was a little bit interesting too because um after so she went into labor after it was um, decided by the governor that doulas were to be considered a part of the essential part of the team, the healthcare team. And so we had gotten confirmation from the chiefs at all the hospitals that doulas were back in. You just need to make sure you have your mask and, you know, um, that sort Glass of thing. Glass goggles. Yeah, goggles. Mm-hmm. and shields yeah (laughs) uh, went into labor and she labored so quickly that I wouldn't have made it anyway but she was there asking for her doula and they told her like sorry no doulas allowed um you know the policy has changed so um then again I had to go in advocate mode because I'm like here's another client that I had that you know was so grateful that we got the okay for for me to be there in person um, and it didn't end up happening. Um, she same healthy, baby's healthy. She her her labor progressed so quickly that I didn't even know she had the baby until like after like you know she oh, reached out to me yeah. saying that she was having contractions and she was in labor. And then the 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 next time I spoke with her, baby was already here. So oh, it wow. went so quickly that I I mean I probably would have been able to get there if they would have told her like sure have your mom call your doula like she her mm-hmm. the hospital was right around the corner from where I live so I probably could have made it um I did I was still able to go and see her though later on that day I was just like I'm going to go up here and and still try to like support her um I was encapsulating her placenta too and so mm. um I did that I had to get covid tested which I wasn't crazy about because it was kind of like forced on me a little bit but whatever <laughs> yeah. I did it and I mean I didn't have any concerns about you know covid and I was negative and everything but um that process was just a little bit disorganized um and then the, the last birth that I just did uh last week um it was like totally different it was like birth outside of a pandemic Really? I was able to go out of the room and get ice and get okay. water and stuff for my client. I did have to have my mask on um, the whole time. They didn't force me to get COVID tested. This hospital doesn't like, you know, it's, it's okay for you to not have it. Um, but it was, it was, it made me feel so much more comfortable. Like that's good. Yeah. the staff were just right. They were normal and it didn't seem like that's- pressure. So that was good. 
so it's changing. That's good. The atmosphere is changing. Yeah. It's taken us a little while, but we're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine having a child in the middle of this right now and just, you're already afraid of anything right. bad happening to them. And then for a while there, they, it was kind of up in the air if partners were even going to be allowed in the room. So people were getting really scared. Yeah. Oh my goodness. About birthing alone or just with one nurse or, you what? know. Yeah. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And a lot of the doulas kind of shifted our focus from advocating to being in the hospitals to just advocating to make sure that all our clients had at least one person with them. Yeah. Like, they can't give birth alone. Like, let's make sure we advocate for them to have at least one person there. I want, so you told us a little bit about your schooling and then about the fact that you are fully certified as a doula mm-hmm. through Dona International, which is a, a doula organization. Um, but what about, so you mentioned placenta encapsulation, and I want you mm-hmm. to just talk about the scholarship that you just won, because it's really cool. Yes. So <laughs> I so I went to uh, placenta encapsulation training um, to get certified for that. And, you know, placenta encapsulation isn't for everyone. Some people think that eating your placenta is weird <laughs> or it's gross. And I think um, potentially because they don't really understand, like, Yes, it's in a capsule, but it's in powder form. Like, you're not taking a fork and you're not cutting meat and, like, eating it <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. Some people do do that, and they do cut pieces and put it in smoothies, and it's really potent that way. Um, but encapsulation is basically drying, you steaming the placenta, dehydrating it, and then grounding it up into powder and putting it into capsules, just like you would take a vitamin. Like, it's in a capsule, and you just ingest it that way. Um, with food and it helps with milk production it helps to lessen your likelihood of getting postpartum depression it helps just with your mood overall after you know your birth and so I I went to training um, to do that which was awesome and I'm also working on getting my lactation certification but I also got a scholarship for then a step ahead which would be to get my lactation consultant licensure that program is a little (laughs) bit like on steroids when it comes to lactation education and pairing that with clinical hours and some college courses so I'm working on my CLC first which is the lactation counselor portion and I'm able to do that online which I'm so grateful for um, so I'm working through that. It's like being back in school and I'm like do a couple <laughs> wow. hours here and then a couple hours there and I'm reading. And so breastfeeding has always been something on my list of things that I wanted to be able to to add support to, mainly because I, I feel like I lacked that, especially in my first birthing experience. I didn't have any support. Like I, I probably like there's so much support that I know of now in Rochester, but when I was when I needed it. I just didn't have the information or the resources Mm -hmm. to be able to reach out to people. Um, And like nobody in my family breastfed. So there was like not anybody Mm -hmm. who like I could have watched or asked about it because, you know, Mm -hmm. that was just not the case for us. So, you know, and then after my first experience, I kind of started to educate myself on like next time I want to do things different. I want to continue to breastfeed longer than a month. Um, and really knowing what the benefits are as far as like their health, even my health as a breastfeeding mom for the rest of my life, I have, you know, a lesser risk oh, yeah, of that developing is true. Wow. cancer. Like 
you know, there's so many things that like, I feel like they haven't even, they've only scratched the surface as far as like the benefits of breastfeeding for both the baby and the mom. Yeah. And I'm still learning, like, you know, I, I feel like sometimes as I'm reading some of these things, it talks about like, you know, if you breastfeed for six months, your baby has a, a less chance of developing oh. asthma and allergies. And my oldest, who I breastfed for a month, oh, has wow. allergies. And I'm like, oh, shoot. If, <laughs> oh, if only I would have breastfed longer, maybe he wouldn't have allergies. Sometimes you think, but I'm like, everything happens for a reason. My son, after that, is his he his immune system is so different. And so I can see the a huge difference in you know, between all of their health. It's, it's amazing. That's crazy. Would Could you imagine if they find out years from now that breastfeeding was just the key to everything? <laughs> and it was like... <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, I, you know, they're doing studies now where I thought I saw something where they were trying to, like, study breast milk to see if it had some type of healing yeah. powers to fight COVID. And something to do with the placenta, too. And so I'm like, really? Wow. Okay, we're on to something. You know, like the COVID virus is, is changing how they're researching something. But isn't that stuff, crazy, though? Because really of course it might have been a, that, that effect. It, because for since right. before, we think we know so much now. But if you, I mean, thousands of years ago, we were all raised on breast milk. <laughs> Every single person alive. Right. That's all we that had. That was all we had. Yeah. Right. And yeah, now everyone's got fake milk and the yeah. processed stuff. And I don't know. I mean. Soy based, gluten free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, yeah. And it's missing. It's missing those components, um, you know, which there's like this saying that breast milk is like personalized medicine for your baby. Um, and it's so true. Like, you know whatever bacteria your baby is picking up as soon as they start suckling mom is making those yeah, antibodies to help fight that off and 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 whatever she's also coming in contact with she's building antibodies to then protect her baby oh, from whatever yeah. she's being yeah. exposed to so it's like really awesome i mean women are amazing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> full stop that's all we yeah. have <laughs> seriously <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mic drop. Um, I just had two more questions, but I mean, you, you've, uh, Lakeisha, you're amazing. Thank you so much for talking to yeah. us. I know when we started out in our training, um, we talked a little bit together about how you were really focused on wanting to kind of like aid in the maternal mortality crisis among black birthing people. And I just mm -hmm. was curious because I know you've yep. done a little stuff, but I was just curious if you wanted to talk about the work that you've been doing with birthing people of color? Yeah, so I think this pandemic has allowed me to really sit down and to like mm -hmm. think about how to make a difference and even talking with people and doing interviews, you know, to talk about the maternal mortality for especially black moms. Um, I think education is a huge piece in that and, and when I work with families, you know, moms of color and black moms I try to tell them like these are some of the things that you may experience it's just all about being forthcoming with the information and it's not like trying to scare anybody but it's it's just being aware mm -hmm. of of what's happening and I feel like sometimes we try to like mm -hmm. close off that stuff um like or try to block it out because you don't want to have any extra anxiety especially when you're pregnant but I think 
knowing what the statistics are, it's important to just keep moms abreast of what's happening. And so right now, my focus is to um, continue to partner with some of the newer Black duels that we have in the community. Um, so I'm That's working awesome. with a handful of them and we're, you know, I'm trying to help them navigate getting certified, just answering questions about like the process and, um, you know, how to develop their business, how do we market. And so my hope is that once this pandemic is over, we can kind of get together and have some sort of uh, health fair or something where we can go and set up a table and just give out information, you know, in these communities so that it's brought to them. You know what I mean? I, I think just a lot of people in general don't know the benefits. Mm -hmm. They don't know what doulas are. And they just kind of go with mm -hmm. whatever their provider What are says. some of the statistics that um, you're talking about? You yeah, so ones? right now, Black moms are three to four times um, as likely to die in childbirth than white three. women. Which is so it's a huge issue, yeah, and <sighs> and it and it doesn't even and it's been proven that it's not just black women of a specific yeah. like demographic, you know, like uh, financial situation. It's just in general. There's the system has been built on like these practices that worked against women of color and, and black women yeah. in, in general, you know, some of the medicine techniques that were developed were, you know, on <laughs> slaves. And I think that's such a shock to learn. And it's, and it's sad. And a lot of this stuff is still being, it's yeah, still yeah there is a, um, um, an NPR article that I remember reading, I think when I was pregnant um, about the NPR articles called, Black mothers keep dying after giving birth. Um, Shannon Irving's story explains why. And in it, it says black a black woman is 22% more likely to die from heart disease than a white woman. 71% more likely to perish from cervical cancer, but 243% more likely to die from pregnancy or childbirth related causes. My God. It's, it should enrage you, yeah, Sam. It's huge. Like, I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> I just can't, I can't help but hear statistics like that and just be like, why is racism even a debate still? Like, <laughs> was for sure. That's like where I'm like, are you joking me? Right. I don't know. I was just, right. I mean, even just think about it this way. Like Lakeisha said, it doesn't matter the socioeconomic status of the mother or the birthing person. Yeah. Serena Williams nearly right. died. Beyonce nearly died. Yeah. It's Serena Williams. Yeah. If you have, you have HBO, watch her. I know Beyonce had a really hard time. Beyonce. <laughs> Coachella. Beyonce's <laughs> but I didn't know she had died. Homecoming is life. Yeah, homecoming. Yeah, she but, got really bad yeah, pre-clamping. Yes, which it is. is a, oh, my God. Which is a, like an affliction late in pregnancy. Oh, my gosh. Um, and if you have yeah. HBO, you should watch Being Serena, yeah. which is an amazing. Oh, my God. It's so good. But it, no, I'll watch it tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I'll watch it right now. I mean, we need to be shouting this from the rooftops. Like, I mean, that's great that you're doing all this and like spreading all this awareness because it's just crazy. And, and I think a part of it, too, is like awareness comes first, but it's also about like partnering with people in the community mm -hmm. to really, really make a change. And right now, like in the state of our world right now, with everything that's happening with all these deaths mm -hmm. and, you know, behind police brutality 
And, you know, there's so much change that's happening. We have so much farther to go. And that's why I think it's so important that we just continue to partner together and to, you know, we all have to advocate for change because we want to have a better, a better world for our kids to grow up in. Like there are people that I know that they're deciding to not have children because of they're afraid. They're afraid of what they have to explain to their kids. And I know that's one of your questions you have, Lindsay, about, you know, how how do we and I'm still struggling with this. Like, how do I really articulate what's happening mm-hmm, in our society mm-hmm. to my my three black boys? Like how without mm-hmm. you know, without creating unnecessary fear in them. Um and I found that, like, you know, I prematurely put out there, like, this is what's happening. They are protesting right here in our city, and this is why their brains are still developing. And so they, they're they smart, but at the same time, they have questions. Like, you know, my husband went outside to take a phone call, and they're like, oh, daddy's outside. Oh, and does that oh, mean God. a police officer is going to come oh, and kill him? Kill oh, him. No. And I'm like, okay, I have to back up. <laughs> Yeah, we oh, have God. to start over. Yeah, you know, and they hear what they want to hear too. So I'm sure I didn't make it seem like that, but I don't. Yeah. I, you just don't know what they they're actually retaining. And so I'm like, back up. There are good people in the world. There are bad people in the world. Some of those bad people could be police officers. Does that mean you need to be afraid of them? No, but you do have to be careful. Yeah. Like I have to be realistic at the same time. And um, they're so it's, and it's, they're just trying to be boys, right? Like, they're trying to be boys. They want to just go yeah. out and play and just be free. And you know, to know that eventually they they could be oh looked gosh, at as a threat is scary. Like my boys are beautiful. Nice they are be. like they, yeah. they're just they're they're own their unique. You know, they have their own unique personalities. And I think too, like. It's so hard to, like, during this Mm -hmm. time, it's so hard to find peace in what's going on. Like, I I had to take a break from Facebook. Didn't watch the video of George Floyd. Don't know. I don't know what happened with Elijah. I just know I see his name everywhere. And I I found that, like, for my own self-care that I have to stay off because it's becoming too much, like, emotionally where... I feel like I have to read this and I have to be up to date on this. But at the yeah. same time, it's making me feel sick. Like it's making me sad. It's making me like have this extra anxiety when I go out with my right. kids and I, I like, this is not healthy. So I, ha- I had to like take a break off of Facebook and just practice like being thankful for the small things and, you know, Yes, you need to be aware, but yeah. you also have to be able to find joy and peace in the right now. But isn't that so funny that we're in a place <laughs> yes, in society it's, that it's hard. logging out of Facebook means you are choosing to be unaware? That's not even, yeah. they're not one in the same. Right. Right. When you're on Facebook, you have everything. Just like scroll and, and there's just so much stuff. I and know. it's hard for you to like not see it because it's right there a bunch of times back to back. And yeah, it's hard. And, you know, I try to like, I try, like, I don't know, I'm trying to still protect mm-hmm. their innocence as much as I can. And sometimes I tell myself like, 
you're doing too much. That's okay. I've always been like a helicopter parent. Like they've never like fell and, and busted their <laughs> head open or like had stitches because I'm just like so afraid. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to just protect them. I, I want to, to make sure that everything that they're soaking up is positive. Like I don't let yeah. them watch certain things, you know, PBS kids yeah. is, is on for them. Like they don't, they don't listen to certain music. Like I'm trying to just protect their innocence as, as best as I can. But my son's going yeah. to go to fourth grade mm-hmm. and he's already starting to hear these words that like mm-hmm. we don't use in the house. So it's, it's parenting never, it never really gets easier. I feel like each stage there's new challenges. There's like that, that thin line that I walk where sometimes he repeats exactly what I say. And I'm like, Oh, that was uh, not good. <laughs> oh yeah. Please don't say that when you're a father. Yeah. <laughs> they're sponges, you know, cause learning starts at home. Like it starts at home. You have to yeah. start mm-hmm. teaching them how to be people you know, before they start school. You are so amazing. Like, You're it, such it, it a good mom. You're such home. a good Yeah, I mean, you sound We're like an amazing mom. Something. And I try. Yeah. And I doula. Mean, <laughs> oh, I'm, I am. And doula. And I just want to say, yeah, I want to add one thing. Um, That was, so Lakeisha perfectly segued into my, like, last question for her. Yes, you did. You how, did. <laughs> yeah. Of how it would be, like, parenting, how it is for her parenting these three beautiful <laughs> black boys right now in this time of history. Um, but I think it's really important for people to consider that it's not the job of a black mother to teach her sons not to be murdered. Yeah. It is the job of all mothers of all right. colors. No, to I teach agree. Their, all parents of all colors to teach mm-hmm. their children not to murder yeah. and not and to abuse and not to not to hate. Right. Hate. Yeah. There you go. Talk about your anger. <laughs> I'm getting yes. off my soapbox oh, now. Hate is a, such a strong. <laughs> it's a bunch a of people that word. didn't go to therapy. Yeah, <laughs> it's really just no, a bunch of people that never right. let anything out. And I just, I didn't out. want that yeah. to like linger as the last question, and then have it any in any way imply that that's like what I'm imp- yes. implicating. I guess in any way. Right. No, that's that's a good point. I think that like teaching our kids is like a huge step in just changing how yes our generations are going to be in the future. Like if we all just taught each other to, you know, like the golden rule, treat people the way you want to be treated. Like we learned that from such a young age, but so many yeah. people just lose that practice and you know, grow up to just be products of their environment. But I can tell you that this generation is, you know, trying is advocating for change a lot different from the generations before. Yeah. You're amazing. Thank you so much <laughs> yeah, for taking the time. Thanks for being our first guest. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. This stuff just gives me life. Yeah. I mean, keep talking about everything you're talking it about. Me- <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, there's too many that stupid part. people talking right now <laughs> we need smarter people yeah. talking and we can always have you on again yeah yes. yeah so thanks for listening to because we were bored i'm sammy i'm Lindsay, and thank you so much for listening see you guys next week all right bye. Thanks, guys. bye this is one of those things where sometimes i end up on reddit before i fall asleep and then i end up looking through reddit and getting like creeped out to the point where even if i have to go to the bathroom i'll just lay there and <laughs> pray for morning <laughs> <laughs> um sometimes i'll just lay there and pray for morning that's the name of this episode <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes i just lay there and pray for morning <laughs>